Uh, thanks so much for uh, mentioning cowboy cheese. I really appreciate that. I only have 75 followers, so I'm trying to get to 100. <laughs> and I'm thinking that might actually happen now. So um, cowboy cheese, it's on Instagram. Uh, uh, I've been doing cowboy cheese for like 20 years, and it's this like little weird thing that I do. So uh, you can ask me about it sometime if you want. Anyways, I'm super happy to be here. Uh, I'm going to read from Mark chapter 8, and then we're going to talk about one of the questions of Jesus. You can just listen. I don't know if you have Bibles or phones or whatever you guys do here, but you can just listen if you want. I'm going to read starting chapter 8, verse 22. They came to Bethsaida, and some people brought a blind man and begged Jesus to touch him. He took the blind man by the hand and led him outside the village. When he had spit on the man's eyes and put his hands on him, Jesus asked, do you see anything? He looked up and said, I, I see people. They look like trees walking around. Once more, Jesus put his hands on the man's eyes. Then his eyes were opened. His sight was restored. And he saw everything clearly. Jesus sent him home saying, don't even go into the village. Jesus and his disciples went on to the villages around Caesarea Philippi. On the way, he asked them, who do people say I am? They replied, some say John the Baptist, others Elijah, and still others, well, one of the prophets. But what about you, he asked. Who do you say that I am? Peter answered, you are the Messiah. Jesus warned them not to tell anyone about him. Then he began to teach them what the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders, the chief priests, and the teachers of the law, and that he must be killed and after three days rise again. He spoke plainly about this, and Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. But when Jesus turned and looked at his disciples, he rebuked Peter. Get behind me, Satan, he said. You do not have in mind the concerns of God, but merely human concerns. One of those common titles for Jesus in the Gospels is that of teacher. And it's a good title for Jesus. In fact, quite often when people refer to him, they call him teacher, Rabboni, Rabbi. In fact, even after the resurrection, one of his most beloved disciples, Mary Magdalene, encounters Jesus in the garden, and her first words to Jesus are, Rabboni teacher. And obviously, Jesus is a teacher, and he's a really good one. Really good. He shows us the way. He illumines our darkness. He shines light on all our ignorance. He helps us to see. He helps us to know. He teaches us the way, the truth, and the life. In fact, Matthew, when he organizes his Gospels, one of the things that he does is he organizes his whole Gospel around Jesus as a teacher. He organizes it around five large sections of teaching, the first being the most famous, the Sermon on the Mount. So even Matthew recognized that Jesus is a superior 
spiritual teacher. But one of the curious things that we don't recognize about Jesus is Jesus not only teaches, and Jesus not only gives us answers, but Jesus has a lot of questions too. In fact, I was surprised a number of years ago when I pulled an old book off my shelf called The Questions of Jesus. It was written by an author, and in the introduction he said, surprisingly, Jesus had over 300 questions that he asks in the Gospels. In fact, it turns out that Jesus has a question for every potential disciple he encounters. Rather than just giving answers, Jesus seems to have a poignant and pointed and direct and focused and challenging question for people. In fact, from the very first disciples, he has a question for them. And even as Jesus is ascending into heaven, he has a question for his disciples. What I did a number of years ago was I organized a study around these questions of Jesus. And I was surprised, like I said, to learn that 300 are asked in the Gospels, but a lot of them are embedded in parables. So if you take them out of their context, they don't make a whole lot of sense. But there are a handful of questions that transcend their context. Questions that speak 2,000 years later, and they just hit us so hard. Here's some of the questions that Jesus asked. See if these resonate with you. Why are you so afraid? What do you want? Do you want to be well? Seems kind of like an obvious question, but do we? Do we truly want to get whole and well? Sometimes we can be sick so long that it feels so familiar. Jesus says, do you want to be well? Really? Do you still have no faith? Do you believe that I can do this? Jesus asked before he performs a miracle. Do you believe that I can do this? Do you understand what I have done for you? Do you love me? And perhaps maybe one of the most challenging questions, will you lay down your life for me? These are some of the questions of Jesus, and I want to spend some time looking at one in particular, one that we read this morning. I'm so glad that you're going through all these questions in chapel, and I'm glad, too, that there's groups studying these questions of Jesus. I consider it a privilege this morning to talk about this one in particular. Jesus asks who do people say that I am? And they say, well, a bunch of different things. And then Peter, Jesus turns to Peter and asks Peter directly, who do you say that I am? And Peter responds, you are the Messiah. You are the Christ. You are the great I am. You are the light of the world. 
And it's almost as if the other disciples are slapping Peter on the back and saying, good job, Peter, you got it right. And it's Jesus pointing at, you know, smiling at Peter and giving him a thumbs up. Yep, yep, that's who I am. But it becomes very clear that although Peter gets the answer right, Peter has no idea what he's talking about. If you look at the stories that we read around this story, there's a story right afterwards that it's obvious that Peter has no idea who the Messiah is or what the Messiah does. So he gets the declaration right, but when Jesus starts talking about his suffering and his dying and his rising from the dead, Peter takes Jesus aside and says, you got to stop talking like that. It's obvious that Peter has no clue. And then, if you look at the previous story, Jesus performs a miracle of healing. It's, in fact, the most common performed miracle in all the Gospels is Jesus healing people of blindness. And you have to ask yourself, why is that? Why is that the most common performed miracle in the Gospels? Was it just that people had an epidemic of blindness? Or is the miracle a symbol and a sign for us that we are not only physically blind, but we cannot see? Spiritually, we cannot see. Our eyes are clouded. It's like we have cataracts in our eyes. And what's so interesting about the previous story is Jesus performs a miracle and touches the man's eyes. And it's easy to think, it didn't work. It's somehow a failed miracle of Jesus, and you think, how is that even possible? Because Jesus touches the man's eyes, and he says, what do you see? It's like, well, I kind of see people, but they're pretty blurry. So Jesus touches the man's eyes again, and then he can see. Isn't that a perfect story for Peter? Because Peter sees Jesus like a blurry tree. And later, Peter will see Jesus clearly. The story right before this is a story about Peter. It's about a blind man, but it's Peter who can't see. And we can't see either. You know, it's easy to think that what Jesus wants from us is a declaration Like we sang this morning, you are the great I am. Who do you say that I am? Jesus asks all of us individually, personally this morning. Who do you say that I am? And we think, well, I better get the answer right. I better tell Jesus who he is. I better tell him that he's the Christ, the Messiah, the great I am. And if we think that if we tell Jesus who he is, he will give us a thumbs up and say yes. You got it right. And you know what? Maybe in some sense, declaring who Jesus is, is one of the most important things that we could ever do. In fact, there's no accident that Mark places the declaration right at the center of his gospel as if everything kind of spins around the central story, the declaration of Jesus' identity. It's one of the most important questions that you can ever ask yourself. Who do I say that Jesus is? Is he the Lord of your life or not? 
And so we think that Jesus wants a declaration and that it ends there. But let me propose this morning that maybe Jesus isn't so interested in a declaration from you as a conversation with you. Maybe he's not asking you for a title, but he wants to know, who do you say that I am? Who do you say that I am? Let me ask you a question this morning. When you think about your experience of God, your actual, real experience of God in your life. As you look back, I don't know how 18 years old, 22 years old, uh, 88 years old, everyone in between, however old you are, as you look back over the context of your whole life and everything that has happened and everything you've experienced, as you look back and reflect, how would you describe your experience of God? In fact, let me ask it another way. If you could choose just one word to describe your experience of God, what would it be? I'm guessing that some of you could say this morning, if Jesus asked you personally, who do you say that I am? And you reflected back on your life and you found that one word, you might say something like this to Jesus. Jesus, you've been a great friend. Maybe you were bullied a lot in junior high and in high school. Maybe you just felt like you've never really connected with people socially. It's just been hard. So when you reflect back and you think about God's presence in your life, and Jesus asks you, who do you say that I am? Maybe you would say to Jesus, Jesus, you've been, a, you've been my best friend. Maybe some of you would say, Jesus, you've been a rock. A firm foundation on which I could stand because my parents got divorced and my family's been chaotic and we moved around a lot and there was just a lot of uncertainty in my life. And so, Jesus, you've been a rock. Maybe you would say something like, Jesus, you've been a lover to me. You know everything about me, and yet you keep pursuing me. You've never given up on me. In fact, you see beautiful things in me that even I don't see. You're someone who loves me deeply, Jesus. My encouragement this week is to spend some time thinking about this question, and Jesus is asking you personally, and maybe he's not looking for a declaration. Maybe he's looking for a conversation with you, and he wants to talk about your experience of him. And in doing so, I want to encourage us all to be honest about our relationship with God, because in reality, 
being in relationship with a divine being is actually a pretty complicated relationship. It's messy, it's complicated, it's weird. <laughs> and when I ask that question about how you actually experience God in your life, sometimes we've gotten really good at lying. We tell Jesus things that we think he wants to hear. And so we tell him things that we actually don't believe. You are so good. When in fact our actual experience of God has been pretty mixed. In fact, we wonder where God was when we were being abused as a kid. Or when our best friend died. Or when our favorite grandma got cancer. And so we keep telling Jesus, you are good. When in reality, we don't really think that at all, do we? You're a faithful God. Really? Where were you, God, when my dad left? I think Jesus really wants to hear. Do you have the courage, do you have the honesty to tell Jesus, you know, Jesus, I know other people say that you're great, but I just don't know. You know, Jesus, I know other people say that you're their best friend, but honestly, it's felt like you've been a bad friend. Because when I needed you the most, you weren't there. Or at least it seemed like you weren't there. Don't be afraid to tell Jesus your actual, real, lived experience. Stop lying. He can handle the truth. And let me tell you, there's no progression in the spiritual life unless you start to get honest. When you start telling the truth, you can start moving forward. But if you just live pretenses and lies and pretending, you just don't get anywhere. You really don't. This is Jesus stepping down off his throne into the muck and into the mud and into the messiness of our lives and asking us, really asking us, and really wanting us to tell him the truth. Who do you say that I am? And have a conversation with Jesus about that. Trust me, he can handle it. Let's pray. Jesus, your, your questions are so hard and scary and challenging and exciting all at the same time, and we don't even know how to begin. But help us to journey our way to 
an authentic answer. And help us not to answer too quickly. Help us to be curious. Help us to be open. And help us, give us the freedom to say, I don't know. We thank you for these good, good questions. And I pray for the Dort campus and I pray for all these students as they journey through your difficult and amazing questions that you give all of us grace and patience and strength. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Friends, I invite you to rise for a blessing. One of the favorite things God loves to do, he loves to bless people. And so this is the blessing. I invite you to receive it this morning. You can open up your heart, open up your hands if you'd like. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and to be gracious to you. May the Lord turn his face towards you again and again, now and forever, friends. Do not be afraid. But let the blessing of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit fall upon you, friends. Do not be afraid. But go in the power and the love of Jesus. Amen.